And this is Christine. And, and we are She Nanigans. Thanks for stopping by. Today's podcast pairing is with coffee and ibuprofen because we went out last night. Made some PLCs. <laughs> Cheers! Today's podcast is brought to you by Skitscott, a new video-based social media platform that combines the best functionalities of TikTok and Instagram. Skitscott's feature-rich audio and video editor allows its user to create videos up to one minute long. The platform allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, -picture, layered audio, and other editing tools found only in costly movie production rooms to express themselves in a short video. Skitscott is a secured website and made here in the USA, and Jen and I have had some fun playing around on it. Yes, it's a great app. Download Skitscott. Yes, for all ages. It's a blast. You guys will love it. Download it, share it, rate and review. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Today we are so excited. We have a wonderful guest. Her name is Megan. She is going to share some insights and advice with us as we've all gone through quite a crazy past year and a half. Hi, Megan. Hi, Hi. Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. So we're so excited. So tell us a little bit about you and what you do for work. Okay. Yeah. So my name is Megan Tricetti. I am a clinical psychologist. I work right now in community mental health, and most of my career has been in that kind of setting, but I've also done outpatient work, and most of my work has been with kids. Whenever you're working with kids, you're working with families. Right. So I also yeah. work with a lot of adults. I have some specific training in trauma. I'm trained in this model called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. I could talk about that all day. It's really cool. Something that's unique about my work is that working with kids, one of the things I really like is play therapy. I think that I identify as like a developmental psychologist. Mm -hmm. So it's true throughout the whole lifespan, but especially with children, that there's really specific developmental things happening and developmental tasks. So I try to bring that to a lens that I look at for right. everybody that That's I work with. That's very cool. With. That yeah. is great. Yeah. We obviously, like, you kind of know, you know our stories. Like, mm -hmm. Christine lost son, and I went through my fiancé, you know, taking his life. So, I think we obviously want to talk about mental, mental health yeah. and wellness and how mental illness is just, like, very real and yeah. timely right now. So, what has been your experience in the last, like, 18 months or more with like yeah. kids and, yeah. and parents and yeah. all of that? <sighs> um, I know it's a broad question. It's such a yeah. big question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of different directions I could go in. But first, what I'll say is when you're trained as a mental health professional, there's this idea that you keep everything really separate, that you have your life experiences and, you know, your own story. And then you go into the office and you, just kind of project this clear space for somebody else to say, what What are you about? I can say with certainty that I've never experienced a time in my life where 
it was more difficult to keep my own experience and story yeah. out of the room. Mm-hmm. And then straight up the room went away too. Like, right. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So we moved to telehealth. We had the whole field of mental health went away and went to this, you know, telehealth platform. And that was something I think I viewed like negatively that I missed the training. Like when I was trained in the field, people didn't even talk about telehealth. So, you know, I'd heard about it, but I think I looked at it with judgment, like you have to be in the room to do things. Right. Yeah. Right? To connect. That happens in the room with two bodies, right? Right. Or more. My feelings on that have definitely changed, but it's been a tremendous struggle to have my work be in my living space. And then on top of that, even much more complicated, have my life, like my children, my husband, my dogs in my living space. And I don't think I realized what a little zone I go into to do the kind of work that I do. Just like that idea of like emotional and mental labor. I feel like I've been operating like most of my energy has just gone to like trying to figure out navigating the going back and forth between those two worlds. Right. I can't as you're imagine. just like walking through the door. Yeah. Right? Or you're hearing people knock on the door. You're like, don't knock on the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just have a question too, because you mm-hmm. just talked a lot about play therapy. Yeah. So how did that translate to, with telehealth? Oh my gosh. You're like, please come back to the, can you come back to the screen? Come back to the screen. Is your, <laughs> is your mom there? Is your dad there? Can you have like a- remote learning in a <laughs> lot yeah. of ways? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's actually a really good comparison. But what's cool is is that at kids' homes, you get to see their natural play space. Yeah. So what are they naturally playing with? And I think that that's like good and bad because it's it feels more natural to them. And you do, especially for little kids, you want it to feel as natural as possible, that they're just doing something that they naturally do with support. What's a little complicated is sometimes when you're playing, especially trauma out in play therapy, Sometimes the objects get a little charged to them, right? And you like you look at that doll a little differently, right? Yeah. After you've like worked out some of your trauma with it. We've had to oh. kind of be intentional about, you know, here's your toys that we're gonna use during the session. And then sometime and I haven't actually encountered this, but I'm just imagining like I could imagine that that might change the kid's relationship with that object a little right, bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which could go either way, right? Because yeah. you would think then at some point it actually might make mm-hmm. them hold on to that more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The security. Yeah. So what have you noticed, Megan, about how have kids dealt with yeah. this COVID pandemic? Yeah. 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 I think a lot of it is watching your grownups be scared. For some kids, that was a normal part of their life already. And for other kids, that's something they'd never seen before. Right. To kind of like probably tie into like the resilience piece. I think that will be something that this generation of kids connects around. Like, remember how scared all the grownups were? Kind of like, I don't know if you guys have had the experience with your parents, but when my parents reflect back onto like the Cuban Missile Crisis and what that was like as children hiding under desks, Mm -hmm. they have that shared experience. I know a lot of people bring up 9-11 when they're thinking about what other things that they've been through. But I kind of go back to that when I'm thinking about the pandemic more, because it was a time when the the children really had that clear sense, these grownups don't know if it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Universally, like in the entire country. Right. That's, we were just talking about that. We were just talking about that. Because like kids who had chill parents, Mm -hmm. which I don't know, I mean, Did you know any chill parents this year? <laughs> I, I, I was. Yeah, I yeah, definitely yeah, was. You were yeah. because you, for me, I mean, it was it was hard and scary, but I've already yeah worst case scenario. Yes. And for my kids, 
it was hard because they didn't have their network, but yeah. I still, because that was important to them, they did see their friends yeah. outside. But they had already had to have remote school. We yes. had to go to London for a month yeah. and they, we were saying like, especially my oldest is 16. Yeah. And so some of his friends are in that stage of social, yeah. like, you know, all those things. And some parents were really scared. And so mm-hmm. a couple of kids like went into video game holes and really mm. had a tough time mentally. Yeah. I was like a duck. I was calm seemingly. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I was paddling like crazy. <laughs> really? I was like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. And I was, you know, a nurse. I'm, I'm a nurse. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going out and, and you know a lot. I'm, yeah. I'm facing yeah. it every day, yes. COVID patient. And then coming home and like trying to like take an acid yeah. bath because yeah. we didn't know like yeah. Yeah. how it was transmitted at first. Yes. I mean, Brian was washing Amazon boxes. Remember yes. that? Remember yes. that face? Yes. Yeah. It was fun. Some like, people never left that. Right. right. Some people are still living there. Right. Yeah. And that's where you had two personal and work experience collide. Yes. Yeah. And, I, was intertwined. and I also yeah. can relate to you, Megan, too, mm-hmm. with the, com- you know, trying to compartmentalize it. And not being able to do that was yeah. really hard. It is. And then you've probably always been able to do that, right? Yes. And then yeah. questioning, should I even do this? Oh my gosh, yes. Like, should I even do this? Should I, should I even be this? in there? Should I yes. do this? Should I yes. put my family at risk? So I think it's yeah. really hard. In your experience, I know that's like a broad question, but I think, and I'm just wondering like what you're seeing too, mm-hmm. like I think Kids in some way are more resilient than Mm -hmm. adults, right? Because we have all this stuff. Yes. And kids are like, okay, well, we'll just, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, kids will wear the masks Mm -hmm. and do the things and just, they were amazing to me. Like during this whole thing, so many kids were amazing to me. Like even little kids with masks. Oh my God. I'm like, my kids would have never, but Mm -hmm. they probably would have if they saw everyone else. Yeah. They're just so adaptable. Yes. So some other questions just... Well, I think you, going with that, mm-hmm. right, we wanted to know, like, for you in your experience, what was one of the biggest surprises mm-hmm. to you? What, like, surprised you the most with kids and resiliency? Like, mm-hmm. either one specific thing or generally... Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's funny because like, I can't tell where this is coming from, if it's coming from, like, the work or the personal side of it. The reopening phase, right? Like, we've had such worry as parents about what the long-term effects of all this are going to be. And then kind of seeing that like, it really didn't take, it was a pretty small dose of social interaction for kids to feel like back and like everything's okay in the world again. So it's like, it doesn't take them much to get back into that feeling safe or feeling I have enough of this. And that I think was like a huge relief to me because it felt like, okay, we can actually do that. And now you're back to this version of you I remember. So I'll tell you a little anecdote. We have a really good rec center where we live and they have like teen movie nights or tween movie nights. Yes. So my daughter went to one last night and it was a new experience for her. She was like out late, not for a sleepover, but just out late. And then she walked home with a friend whose house was across the street. So it's like pretty wild. Like if you're 11 and you leave someplace at 10 o'clock at night and you walk home, like yeah. you feel pretty like tough. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So bad ass. Yeah, that's what I was sure. Yeah, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can say. She felt really like hot shit coming up last night. And it was so cool to see. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is one of those developmental things that like you should have been having these experiences throughout the whole year, you know, peppered through in incrementally bigger doses to get you where you need to be 
at 11 and a half, but all it took was one night where you had that little experience and then it's like it blossomed something. And she literally came home and was like, you know, I think I want to approach putting myself to sleep in this different way that we haven't been doing. Wait, did she say it like that? She does talk like that. Yeah, she does. Wow. She may not have said approach it, but she's like, I want to show you guys that I can do that. And that just knocked my socks off because I was like, it really had everything to do with the fact that she was just able to have a tiny little visit into normalcy, yeah. the that sort of like testing experience. Independence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's not going to take much, I think, to get kids back into like being back on track for them. Yeah. Going back to like that other question of like, what has it been like for kids? Just the, the sense of like, another thing I think about with this generation is like, they've had existential dread now at much earlier ages about thinking about threats related to COVID, but then they're also the generation that's going to be inheriting the climate crisis. And mm-hmm. they've got this older, like maybe you see it in your 16 year old, but like college students now and high schoolers, that's so in their mind mm-hmm. in a different way. So the younger kids are going to have this intersection of we had COVID pandemic crisis, and then we're moving into this crisis. So they are going to need, I think, the resiliency that they developed through COVID yeah. to tolerate. So maybe, the, I mean, it's it's kind of like a really mm-hmm. crazy way to think that like this is meant, not meant to happen, yeah. but like yeah. it's, for, all, it's all meant to happen. It's all right. meant it's to all happen. The way, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, it's amazing to me, the high school age, how socially mm-hmm. responsible and yes. aware they are. Yes. It's beyond what we would have ever. Yeah. We were clueless. Yeah. I mean, they're (laughs) just, even just for themselves and for their communities. I mean, it's and the, and the world it's that to me is an amazing thing, but it really is the truest definition of resiliency, right? Like they're unbelievable. And, you know, like we just said before, I think parents do play a big part in how resilient their kids are. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they also are these brilliant human beings and that with have, their own DNA. Yeah. And yes. so it's been incredible yeah. to watch. Yeah. Hard, horrible, yes. and incredible at the right, same time. Right, right. Yeah. Because right. you do want to just do that little scoop of like, I wish you didn't have to deal with this right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How old are your children? So I have a 11 and a half girl and a seven and a half year old boy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, super cute. Well, that's cool. And your your seven and a half year old is, I mean, this is probably his most memorable mm-hmm. time, right? Right. You don't really remember much right. before. Right, right. So we had a big move three years ago. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think time does this accordion thing as you get older is like you remember events, but you don't necessarily remember them sequentially. And then sometimes it can seem like things, you know, much closer together than they actually were. You'll be like, oh, that event happened and that event happened. Right. And then your parents will be like, oh, no, 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 that was years apart. And then your mind, the way you held them together, it's like, really? I thought they were that same school year or something. Right. So maybe Abe will compile the move and the pandemic. I don't know. Um, but he was like out. I mean, he has a little buddy too, so he was outside. I mean, they were outside a lot. He had the best pandemic. Yeah, out of he, he really I did. Know. He was living really his did. best pandemic life. Yes. <laughs> They're like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, they, that's so true, and that that's a huge part of what made my experience. You know, it also kind of took us back to a different time where, like, when I moved here, I, we came from a more rural environment, and. It was so nerve wracking for me for him to be outside and I couldn't see him. And there's cars nearby, right? And like 
I just didn't know where he was at every moment. And he was four and a half then. So it kind of made sense that, you know, you don't generally let your kid just wander the neighborhood. You're on your own. We're going on vacation. But where we live, you kind of do. There's kind of a, a mini culture of like everybody watches their own kids. And I like entered it and I was like, do we really though? Like, who are these people? And it ended up being just a really lovely neighborhood with people like Jen in it. And I was like, I think this is okay. Like, I think I'm going to go for it. And They're not the, that creepy. By the end of the pandemic, I'm like, see you later. <laughs> Hope you grab lunch somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because we talk about this a lot, mm. like how did your parenting mm. style change from beginning to now? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say end because we don't know. I was definitely, and, and I still am, you know, we're staying in Maine now for a little bit, but yeah. like, in, and it is like very, like she goes off right. and does her thing and... It's like yeah. how we grew up. Yes, it's yeah. how we grew up without yeah. Yeah. the phones and technology and all of that. I mean, so yeah, I became more relaxed, I think, mm -hmm. like in, in a way, mm -hmm. like right. more relaxed about parenting and letting her and, and obviously your kids are growing up so you can allow more autonomy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's how I've changed a little bit, yeah. but there was definitely some time in the middle that I was like, not, yeah. not well. well yeah. And for me, like, I felt like my kids needed their, so they had a few friends mm -hmm. that they still saw. They were outside. Yeah. They where I live in Metro West, mm -hmm. and um, there's a lake there which we never took advantage of. We were always going elsewhere to go right. to the ocean and whatever. Right. We got kayaks. My kids biked all over everywhere. Yeah. They just had it was such a and there was no sports. There was no schedule. Right. There was no nothing. And so right. my kids just had like a simple but yeah. incredible summer. Yes. And so for me. My parenting didn't change so much, I don't think, during that. I mean, my, my parenting's been changing because I become a single mom yeah. and went through all that stuff. COVID maybe, you know, didn't necessarily. We just tried to balance everything right. as we've been doing. But yeah. my kids are a little bit older. My youngest is 12. Yeah. And then they're 14 and 16. So their independence, and I definitely think last summer played a big part in it, mm -hmm. but their independence is incredible. They will leave and ride bikes for hours. They have phones, and so yeah. you can... I can see where they are. Right. And which I'm like, we used to leave our houses at nine in the morning and I'd come home at five. Yeah. Right. In a lake all day. <laughs> How about negative, any negative? I mean, I know with us, like the sleeping issue, like going to sleep, there was a little bit of codependence with yeah. Molly. Like, I, I mean, I love to read to her anyway at night or she reads to me now, but she is probably very happy she, she's reading to you and not her. <laughs> she couldn't. Yeah. She couldn't go to sleep. Like she still can't. Like mm. she needs one of us to really, it, it yeah, takes a long, like yeah. it's a process. Yeah. Well, I love that you say that about sleeping patterns because mine was the opposite. My kids were like up because they didn't have to get up for school or anything. So, yes. I, and their social interaction for a little right, while, like right. the, that first spring was on video games yes. with each other. And everyone I talked to, especially my oldest, they were up all night. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll allow it. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Not ideal, but what, like, Picking and choosing your battles, yeah, yes. too, and also that, like, there's probably just other important things that you're balancing, like puzzles, like puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my experience as a parent changed dramatically this year because in our family we also went through a separation. So my husband and I had a separation during the pandemic. We just went full tilt, and like and like. like silver linings or, you know, the hidden blessings of the pandemic or whatever. 
all of that stuff was coming to fruition in my marriage and the life that we had created for each other and for our kids anyway. In some ways, the pandemic, everybody's had their own experiences of it, right? And there's been intense tragedies that from my position as like, you know, somebody that didn't have to, I had a lot of flexibility with the way that my work supported me to make choices to support my family. I hate it when people are like, well, the pandemic was like, really great for me. And I'm like, you can't say that because like a lot of people had terrible experiences yes, and died and it had to do with like, like racial inequality. So like, you need to hold that in pr- Like we need to just like bring that into the conversation. Right. So I'll say yeah. like, for my position as like an upper middle-class white woman, there was a way that the pandemic for me allowed this cover because there was so much chaos happening in the world. And then there was this huge chaos happening in my personal life that totally blindsided me in some ways. It, it kind of made it I'm like, yeah, everybody's freaking out right now. This is why, why not do it now? Like, yeah. why not like lean into all this and just get everything out on the table and like, you know, not be great parents or traumatize your children. Let's do it when everybody else is also <laughs> in that space <laughs> right. at the same time. Let's do this together. <laughs> Let's do this together. Yeah. So my parenting changed a lot because I had never been a single parent had to kind of really face the reality of what that is like for time for a time then also just managing Scott and I making the decision to reconcile and then do all of the work yeah. that made it that that is making reconciliation the right choice for us which is so much fucking work <laughs> <laughs> and then you're balancing that on top too so right. you're working you're raising your kids and then you're doing this life reboot which i think that's probably a, a tone like that a lot of people yes you know uh it resonates with a lot of people because people did look at this big fear loss what is the life that i want to have and then let me do the reboot let me leave the job let me leave the partner let me move here that so will, the uncertainty yeah, of the pandemic yes. and then the uncertainty of your mm-hmm. yeah personal life yeah. must have been it stretched me crazy yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Yep, that yeah. is that is crazy. Stretching. But it is work, and you mm-hmm. did the work. Mm-hmm. Doing the work, doing the work. Yeah. So it's a it's a daily thing, it as is. we know. Marriage is not yeah. easy. No, and it takes no, a lot yeah. of work. I'm glad you said that because I just don't think that's said often enough to young people. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. Even if you like align in most ways. Yes. I think it's, there are times in your life, it ebbs and flows, there are hills and valleys, all that, all those cliches. I've said this before too, a wise person once told Brian, you know, people say like 50, 50, you gotta do, no, it has to be 60, 60 sometimes. Like you have to give more. Yes. And that's just the, you know, you have to put the work in. I think too, like the pandemic made everyone stop. Mm -hmm. Right. So we all were in these very busy lives Mm -hmm. and just you know, and I always say my chaotic life was part of my trauma healing. Yes. And the pandemic made you stop and kind of face everything. Yes. So if you were in a marriage that you were questioning or mm-hmm. that was, you know, not, you had to probably stop, yes. right? And and look at it and think yes. like, like deal with it yeah, and figure that out then yeah. instead of just continuing to go on with the daily and the grind yes. and, and yes. everything else. I can't imagine how you have to, you know, you take on, I'm sure part of you takes on the emotions from all mm-hmm. these kids mm-hmm. that you deal with mm-hmm. and the parents and everything mm-hmm. else. And, you know, you talked about separating it, mm-hmm. but some of that has to come home with you and now mm-hmm. it's in your home. Right. And then on top of that, you're looking at, I'm sure you've talked with mm-hmm. kids who had 
parents who went yes. through divorce and had yes. a tough time and whatever. And then you were looking at your own children mm-hmm. and trying to consciously come up with the right mm-hmm. choice yes. for you as yes. a person. We have this one life and right. this, you know, make it the best that it can be. And then you had to worry about how it would affect your kids. Yeah. Did you handle telling your kids the same way mm. that you talk to your clients? Um, hard no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it must be I, such like a hard thing, right? Like always do as I say, I, not as I do, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. I think that like I was a teacher's kid. So there was always like this. Di- oh, so I was a teacher and a principal's kid. So there's always this dynamic of like people who know about kids raising kids. And then seeing that like, in in the reality day to day, like you can't, you're not going to make the right choice. But then I think being somebody who's telling parents, you know, like just these, and I don't think we ever like try to tell parents what to do, but we try to like support them to say like, what do you want this to be like? And what do you need to do to make it like that for you guys? Being so out of line with what I knew, like I wanted for them. And then being in that for months of feeling like, there you go again, Megan doing that thing that if a parent came in and said, I did this thing, you'd be like, ooh, bad job. (laughs) I I don't ever think. But, you know, I was really having to look at parts of myself that I was outside of my competency, right? That's the way I put it. I was out, like I could handle a lot, but I was outside of what I could handle. And then you have to look at yourself and see, okay, here's what I'm like when I'm in this part of my life and it's not the the version of yourself you want to see in the mirror, then you have to just figure out what to do with that and not yeah. run away from it and say right. sort of like, okay, well, here's the factors outside yourself that created this to happen, but you're the one in the moment with the words coming out of your mouth and you didn't like the way they sounded. So what are you going to do next time? It just feels like so much responsibility. And I think that's very yeah. relatable. Yeah. I do too. And yeah. every situation is different, mm-hmm. but you also had these incredible tools to be able to look at yes, yourself and right. say and be self that's right, right. evaluating and self-facing yeah. and yes because that's probably what yeah. most parents yes. need like to gain yes. those tools so yes. in actuality you probably right. did do a lot of what you right. say right you know? oh that's nice yeah <laughs> but yeah no i hear what you're saying though because you're right it's not like we're ever expecting anybody to make all the right decisions but can you be aware can you look at what you did wrong and like i like something that I don't remember where it came to me, but I'm sure it wasn't from in my own brain at some point. I remember just when my kids were really little, just being like, okay, the best I can do is at the end of the day, looking at what I did wrong and saying, tomorrow I'm going to be a better parent. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then trying to like not, because I think there's a collapse, right? We collapse into shame. We collapse into the trauma of what it feels like to do to our kids what our, yeah. was done to us. And then you can really get lost there. Guilt. Yeah. We're never good enough. Never yeah. good enough. And then you look at, like, I think social media too is not great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's great for a lot of things. I should say it's great for a lot of things. But as far as mm-hmm. feeling like a, like a good person, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're almost at time, but I... Thank you so much, Megan. I want to ask you a few fun questions. Okay, sure. Yeah. Slightly yeah. controversial. So yeah. let's, I hope it doesn't spark any Maybe I'll blow. Problems. Wait, before, are you asking your famous questions? Your very famous funny yes. questions? But wait, before that, can you share a funny mm-hmm. thing that a child has said to you during this pandemic? Like, mm. you know, words out of babe's mouth. Like, <laughs> gosh. Oh. Yeah. Or funny moment or like. Okay, so <laughs> one of my favorite things that happened during the pandemic is that my seven-year-old really loved, like, discovered the musical Hamilton. Oh, yeah. And 
I have mixed feelings about this still, but he learned all the curse words he knows from it, which I was like, I think this is okay. Like, it's, right? it's like history on Broadway. It turns out like it, it actually wasn't, <laughs> but it was okay. Um, but then, so when I, so when my, like, what I'll look back really fondly is like he has this best, best friend that lives 10 feet from our house, and they spent almost like every day that they were allowed to together. Hmm. When they couldn't be together, they would put blankets on the yard, on the lawn that was, you know, six feet away from each other. But when they were able to be around each other, more they would take my phone out and they would put on Hamilton and they would just from start to finish just pl- like sing out the entire score <laughs> and these are like little dudes yeah. you know what I mean they yeah. are little dudes that might be in a tussle they've they own <laughs> their tussle. masculinity right and these like they and, wrestle a lot right sometimes you're like whoa easy with that but then they're also like just like singing their hearts out and the male and female voices they're just like owning (laughs) all of it i'm like this is the next generation (laughs) we're gonna be okay i think everybody fell in love with hamilton during the pandemic (laughs) thank you disney plus (laughs) thank you yes (laughs) and everybody got disney plus that's right that's That's a good one Mm -hmm. um now these are super important questions these are controversial do you consider a hot dog a sandwich (laughs) I lived in Chicago for a little while. So, have you ever had a Chicago hot dog? No. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> we it's have to go. Really worth <laughs> Let's go. it. Yeah. So we're here for the hot dog. There, in that situation, there is a bun. <laughs> there is a hot dog, but there's so much more. There's like just you know tons of shredded lettuce and like almost like a salad oh. on top of your hot dog. And then I think it's like oh, I'm gonna kick myself for not remember. There's some kind of like special salt that they put over top of it too oh and God. it's a meal so i don't think a, a hot dog <laughs> okay sandwich. okay no. except chicago style yeah. okay all yeah. right very good to know though yeah. i didn't know that other yeah. piece um so we'll have to <laughs> add that to a our... salad a sandwich and a hot dog <laughs> mm-hmm. and my other highly controversial question is toilet paper mm-hmm. under or over <laughs> over yes yeah. all right she's over. in all right you don't you're already you're doing in. enough reaching around back you don't want to do that with the toilet paper roll too agreed <laughs> agreed <laughs> but i actually never thought of it that way yes that is it's awesome. too much work that it's, is awesome. it's a lot of labor yeah thank you thank you so much, so much. Yeah, yeah, this was great yeah, yeah and i think our listeners are gonna have a great takeaway from mm-hmm. this and honestly just I feel like everyone's questioned their parenting and how to help their kids. And I actually have one last question on that thought. Therapy has been so hard to Mm -hmm. get your child into, right? Do you foresee that maybe with telehealth continuing or whatever being an easier Mm. challenge? Okay. So sorry, this was supposed to end on a funny note, but I really want to tell So I think that there will probably be a lot of people that like answer a call and decide because, because a lot of people that end up in the field had some reason to want to work in mental health. And so I think like, as it's becoming like super less stigmatized with this experience, a lot more people might be open to going into the field that maybe wouldn't have considered it. I think that that will in time probably draw more people in, but like right now, one of the things that we're that we struggle with is like, you know, we need there to be reciprocity across states with licensure, right? Oh, and yeah. and that's just there's so much policy around. We absolutely need thoughtful procedure for making sure that mental health providers are going to be good, ethical practicing clinicians, but it's harder than it should be in New, in New England where you're, uh, you know, you're likely to move across different states 
to to get that on board. So, you okay. know. Yeah, we're finding that with nursing as yeah, well. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. everything, right? Yes. Yeah. Like it's because there's a big nursing shortage mm-hmm. as well yeah. coming up. So. It takes a long time to get people does. ready to do the work. So that's what we're up against is like you want to make sure somebody's trained well. But then if that little piece around just, you know, we need to automate those systems, right? right. These are state, you know, systems. We should that, be better at this. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So. so would your advice be to just keep calling keep and calling, reaching out, keep right? Calling, keep okay. reaching out. Talk to your neighbors, talk to people that you think, like talk to anybody that you think might have, you know, know somebody personally or has their kid with a provider and just call call and keep calling because eventually you will land on somebody that's going to have the open door. But it is so disheartening when people get in and you hear the stories about how hard it was for them to get in because it just, it really shouldn't be that way. Right. Um, especially with kids, especially with kids. And then during school, I think parents sometimes forget that the schools have adapted too, and schools have mental health professionals. Like we used to think of them as guidance counselors, right? right? Oh, you're going to help me with like getting into college or something, but there's, there's school counselors now they're mental health professionals embedded in the school. And sometimes there's even more services. Sometimes we'll have co-located therapists in a school. So see what the school might have. Let get your kid on the school's radar would be another you know just good practical right. thing, and then talk to your PCP because your PCPs also should be supporting right. that. If you let them know that that's an urgent need for your child, your PCP should be able to carry that. Forward should be the with captain you. of the, yes, the ship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. that's great advice. Yes, mm-hmm. thanks, Megan. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yes. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. Yeah. We're grateful. Cheers with Cheers. our water Cheers. and ibuprofen. Coffee. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> I never knew.